Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we'll be finishing out the chapter today, uh, verses 31 through 46. Um, and next week, we will actually be coming to uh, the passages leading up to the crucifixion where Jesus, um, there's a plot to kill Jesus and uh, there's the anointing of Jesus' feet before he's taken away. Well, he has the Lord's Supper. Anyway, we're coming up to the crucifixion here. Uh, uh, one thing I read in my commentary is there, this is three days before the crucifixion when this takes place, when Jesus tells this um, teaching. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. We long for that day. Come, Lord Jesus. We, we, we look around at the world we live in and we see so much brokenness. We see heartache. We see sickness. We see death. We see all kinds of things that, that break our hearts and we long for Him to come. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Yet we also remember when Jesus comes... He is coming as a judge. Yes. And we see that here in this text today. We've seen a couple of parables leading up to this. We have the parable of the ten virgins that tells us we need to be ready. We need to be watchful. We need to have that oil prepared for when He comes. And last week we looked at the parable of the talents. We need to manage well what God has given us in this life. Amen. We need to manage well. We need to be able to produce fruit so that when He comes, we are not ashamed. And when He comes, He is going to come as a judge and He will separate the righteous from the wicked for an eternal destination. The text we look at today, Jesus talks about how He will separate the sheep from the goats this is not a parable so much, but it does have elements of a parable in how he says it will be like uh, someone who, who separates sheep and goats. But he's not saying, he, the, the, the story as a whole is not, not just about a shepherd who separates sheep and goats. No, it's about the coming of the Son of Man. It's when Jesus comes. He's going to separate people in the way that a shepherd separates the sheep, from the goats. We're reminded, Jesus says, do not, come, do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth, but I came to bring a sword. He, he will divide a man from his parents, uh, uh, from his brother. When Jesus comes, He, he brings sometimes division. Jesus is not some domesticated, precious moments character. Jesus is the judge of the universe. And we will all stand before Him one day to give an account for what we have done. It is a glorious thought to think that Jesus is coming one day and He will set all things right. And yet it is also a dreadful thought. We don't have to be afraid 
If we are in Christ, He will hold us fast. He will protect us from the wrath of God. We are covered in the blood of Jesus and we are atoned for. Yet when He comes, He will separate. Let's look at our text beginning in verse 31. The words of Jesus. He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, You did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed to eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was thirsty, and you gave... I'm sorry. I was naked, and you gave, did not clothe me. Uh, sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will, say, they will answer, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for this text. In some ways, Lord, this is a glorious, glorious text, and in other ways, this text can be frightening. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, give us a heart to obey. And Father, comfort us by Your Word. Make us ready by your word. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Our text begins, when the Son of Man comes in His glory. The Son of Man is Jesus' term for Himself. We've seen it several times just in Matthew 24 and 25 alone, but it is His favorite term for Himself, the Son of Man. It refers back to Daniel chapter 7, when the Son of Man is presented before the Ancient of Days, and the, and the Ancient of Days gives Him over a kingdom that will never end. And I believe this kingdom that will never end is language that reminds us that, uh, that this is a, a promise, uh, a, an answer to the promise of, to David. David was promised that he would have a son that would have a kingdom that would never end. This didn't just begin with Daniel. This goes way, way back. Way, way back. Even before David. Because even before David, we go all the way back to the garden where we see that, that, that even Eve was promised that there would be a seed of the woman who would come and crush Satan's skull. The Son of Man will one day come in His glory. He came 2,000 years ago. The Son of Man came 2,000 years ago, but not in His glory. He came in His humiliation. As He came, He was in a baby. He was a baby uh, in, in, a, in a manger. And when He came the first time in His humiliation, He came to be mocked and beaten and crucified and buried. But then He was risen from the dead. And ascended to the Father where He now sits at the Father's right hand. And He is coming again. And when He comes again, it will not be in humiliation. It will not be coming as a baby in a manger again. When He comes, He will come in glory. We see in Revelation where when He comes, He will be riding on a white horse with flames in His eyes, with white hair, and with a sword coming out of His mouth. He will judge by His Word. When the, when the Son of Man comes and all of His angels with Him. We saw in Matthew chapter 24 that the angels will be like those who go out and harvest. Who, who, who go out and they gather all of the elect from all the four corners of the earth. When the, when the Son of Man comes with all of His angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And I think of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 where the Lord is there surrounded by angelic beings. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Well, Jesus will sit on His throne. Before Him. Before Jesus. Before the Son of Man will be gathered all the nations. Everyone will be there. Jew, Gentile. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. All of them will be gathered there. Everyone who has ever lived and ever will live on this earth will be gathered there before Jesus as He stands as the judge of all the earth. In that moment when He comes. Everyone will be resurrected. And as He stands to judge, He will separate 
people from one another, the text says. As a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. This was a common um, agricultural thing that would happen um, during the day. Uh, from what I've read, the, from, from, during the day, the sheep and the goats would graze together. But from what I've read, uh, and I don't have experience with goats. Mike, do you have experience with goats? No. I don't have experience with goats. But it says that the, 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 the goats would get colder. Uh, and, and, and the sheep, of course, they've got all the, the, the fleece on them. Uh, the, the sheep, so at nighttime, um, the shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats every night so that the goats could huddle up closer together for warmth. That, that seems to be what uh, mo- I, I read at least three different commentaries that, that said that that is the, the thing that this may be referring to. It was a common thing that a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. They'd be together during the day, and then when night would come, he would separate them so that the goats could stay warm. In that way, uh, Jesus is saying it's going to be like this. Just like you've seen any shepherd who separates his sheep from his goats, they're all together, just like people are all together right now, both saved and the lost. Those who are, in this, the terms of this text, the righteous and the wicked, we live together in this earth, in this present evil age. We live together. And one day He will come and there will be a separation that will last forever. He will separate them just like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say. Now he goes from talking about the Son of Man to talking about the king. Which I think is perfectly natural because we see from Daniel chapter 7, what does the Ancient of Days give to the Son of Man? He gives him a kingdom that will last forever. So it's perfectly natural to change the term that it's being called here, the Son of Man is being called. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So to those on his right, we're not talking political terms here. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. But to those on his right, uh, he, he, he says, come. Come into my kingdom. This, this is to be a joy of the master like we saw in the last parable. Come in. For a kingdom that you'll be able to be a part of. And it's something that's been prepared for. The text says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I think this is significant. It doesn't just say the kingdom prepared before the foundation of the world. It says the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. This reflects, which sometimes, you know, this is controversial, but I believe in it. The Bible teaches it. This reflects the doctrine of election. If you're a believer, 
It just didn't happen by accident. Amen. God planned from the before the foundation of the world that you would be one of His. Amen. If you're a believer, God set His love on you from before you were ever born, from before you were ever thought of, from before Adam and Eve. Yes. And He planned to save you. The text here says, the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. The doctrine of election is not intended to make us speculate about who's in and who's out. The doctrine of election that is here is to give us security. It's to be a comfort. It's to be so to remind us, God chose me. I didn't deserve it. I did nothing to deserve this, but He chose me. It magnifies His grace that we did nothing at all to deserve it. But then He says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. This could possibly be misunderstood. If we misunderstand this text, it could lead us into a works righteousness. A works righteousness says, if I want to be accepted by God, then I need to do this. I need to feed the hungry. I need to clothe the naked. I need to do all these things so that God will accept me. You know what? I I think as we read this text, we need to understand that this is evidence that these people are truly saved. It is not the basis upon which they are saved. When Jesus says, For I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, he is saying, That's how I know. That's how people can know. This is the evidence that we can point to to say, Yep, those are mine. Why did they do those things? Because they're sheep. They don't do those things so that they can become sheep. They're sheep. And they do what sheep do. Next, look at the response. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? They were shocked. You're saying, that's why we're here? Because we fed you? I didn't even see you. I didn't recognize you. When was that? They were shocked. They weren't counting on their works. But Jesus identifies what they've done because of who they were. 
Jesus tells them, Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Here's another teaching we need to get from this. Jesus identifies with his people. As you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. And in fact, it doesn't just say that. It says, as you've done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. You know, there was a time here in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus was at a house and his mother and brothers were coming to get him. They thought he was crazy. They were coming to get him and to take him away. And the people called into the house and said, your mother and brothers are out here. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? He pointed to his disciples and said, these are my brother, my mother and my brother. It's not just the apostles, but it's believers. You know, I think this is consistent with what we also see in the gospel, uh, in, the, in the book of 1 John. And Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples because you love one another. When Jesus says, as, one, as you have done to the least of these, my brothers, he's not talking about necessarily our care for all of humanity. Amen. He's not talking just about our neighbor. When it talks about all of humanity, that's our neighbor. When he says our brother, my brother, that's talking about believers. Amen. Jesus said, first John says, you cannot hate your brother and love God. Amen. One of the telltale signs of a true believer is that a believer loves the brethren. We love the brethren. So, what are all these actions that they did? They fed, they clothed, they gave a food, they gave a drink. This is talking about how they physically, tangibly loved the brethren. They loved those who identify with Jesus. Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus shouts out, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who was Saul persecuting? Believers. Jesus identifies with his people. What we what what people do, the way people treat believers is the way they treat Jesus. And on that judgment day, we will stand and give an account for how we have loved our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I think this is interesting. Who was the kingdom prepared for? It was prepared for you. 
Right? It was prepared for believers from before the foundation of the world. Who is eternal fire prepared for? The devil and his angels. We can talk all about God's plan and God's mystery and um, we don't know all of of what is in the mind of God. It's all a mystery. The secret things are the Lord's. Yes. But I don't know I don't know really how to put this, but it seems that when when God prepared hell, it was for the devil and his angels. Devil and all of the demons that go along with him. But with man's fall, All those who are not saved, all those who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone will be sent to that place of torment that was not created for them, but created for the devil and his angels. It says, depart from you, you cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal. It is forever. It is, there is no escape. Some have talked about hell and tried to soften the blow by saying that maybe hell only lasts for a certain time until a person is finally eliminated. They cease to exist. But that is not what Jesus taught. Amen. It is eternal fire. Eternal Punishment that never, ever ends. It's important that we hold to that because that makes evangelism all the more necessary. If we just get in our minds that maybe hell just lasts for a little while and then it's over, then are we really going to be as fervent about sharing the Gospel when we get in our minds that Jesus taught hell is forever. It should make us tremble when we are when we are standing before people and we know that hell and heaven and hell stand in the balance as we share the gospel with people. Verse 42, For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? You know, the righteous will be surprised when they get into heaven, saying, when did we do that? They weren't trying to work to try to get themselves in. But the wicked, they're going to say, but I deserve to be there. What do you mean I didn't? I was a humanitarian. I fed the sick and the They're going to point to their works and say, look at all I've done. What do you mean I didn't feed you? They'll be surprised. 
But all along, they were goats. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What should this text do for us today? Number one, it needs to impress upon us the stakes. Heaven and hell are in the balance. God knows who He's going to save. But we don't. And we need to share the gospel with everyone we know, our loved ones. We need to pray. If they're lost, and we don't know what it will take to break through their hearts. Pray that God would take a corpse and bring it to life. God has the power to raise the dead. And every time He saves somebody, He does that. Amen. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Headed for hell under the wrath of God. But God, who is rich in mercy, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We point to the cross. Jesus died in our place. We deserve hell. We deserve to go to that place of torment. Eternal punishment. We are no better than anyone else. We deserve to go to hell. But God has chosen to pluck us from the fire. And He can do the same for our friends and neighbors and loved ones. The Gospel is powerful. When we share the Gospel, when we share the Scriptures, we don't know what's going to happen whenever God decides to show up with His Spirit and make the dead come to life. John chapter 3 says, The Spirit moves as it will. No one knows where it is going except the Spirit. Hell is real. Evangelism is necessary because people are headed to one of two destinations. And we need to be ready. This is the same thing that we've seen in the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. We need to be ready. And finally, we love the brethren. We take care of the brethren. Not to earn God's favor. Because that's who we are. God has saved us from the fire. He has changed us. He's given us a new heart. And so we go to the needy of His brethren. We take care of one another. We love each other. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. 
more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.